Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Well, hey, we are continuing our series today called Rivers. Look at somebody and say, that river looks good in you. That river looks good in you. Hey, and we're going from John chapter 7, verse 37, where Jesus says, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Yes, there it is. Anyone who believes in me may come to me and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from where? From his heart. Not rivers of living water will fall from the heavens or just kind of happen. No, no, no. Rivers of living water will flow from within your heart. One translation says your belly. Another says of your utmost being. The Greek word is the same word that we use for womb. So the river flows from within us. And it says what that river is. Verse 39, he says, when he says living water, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. So how many know that the Holy Spirit flows in and through your life, through through the, the place of life inside of you. And we've been on a journey with this series. It's been a blast. Y'all enjoying this series? And so we learned in week one that whenever we drink of Jesus, the river takes over. Remember that? And then we talked about this woman in John chapter 4 where Jesus has a conversation. She went on to, to be uh, St. Fotina, which, uh, which was a revivalist. So many times we only just get a part of the story, but, but history has told us that this woman became a great revivalist. And Jesus doesn't just repair the broken, but Jesus actually rebuilds the broken. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talk about how rivers move borders. And so physically, rivers can move the border on a land, but also the river of God's presence of his spirit will come into our lives and he will move the borders of our hearts. So it's important that we remain flexible uh, to his spirit. And last week we talked about how in the river, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. The further along the river you go and with the river, there is always more in store. And I believe that God has more in store for you today. Amen. And so today I want to talk about the rivers of delight. Everybody say delight. Say it with your smile on your face like you're delightful. Delight. Delight. So the rivers of delight. How many of you have ever been to a river, like to hang out, maybe play on the river, fish in the river, swim in the river, boat down the river? Anybody ever been to a river to hang out or a lake or an ocean, a body of water? And you go, and the reason why you go is because it's, it's delightful. Being at the river is delightful. I was reminded of a story. About a year ago, we had a we had a retreat for our Haiti team, and we went uh, to this river out in East Texas, and and there were three couples, and we were just spending some time. We were really just having just a great time at this at this river house, and uh, up on the top part of the river house upstairs, it actually had a ledge like a landing that went over into the river, and so it had a gate on there that you could open up that gate and you could jump off and jump into the river. And we had a guy with us, uh, John Hunter, who's uh, one of the guys that was on our board at the time. And John is, is you know, he's, he's kind of like me. He's pretty buff, you know, pretty, and uh, more like Zach Massa. And so he, you know, he's a big, flexible guy. And so, you know, knew that, you know, grab his arm. He'd be like, oh yeah, he's just pretty solid. Not a lot of chub on his arm. You know, he hadn't been eating Twinkies this week. And so, but, but John was pretty fit. So we're standing on the deck talking about getting in 
the river. We're like, yeah, we might jump off. We might, you know, wondering who's going to take their their uh, their shirt off first and see who's been not sticking to their diet. And all of a sudden, we hear funk, 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 funk on the deck, and whoosh, there's John Hunter jumps in to the water. Now you got to understand something. When John was running, he looked like he's a ginger, he's, which means he has like red hair. You know that, right? And so it's like the ginger Incredible Hulk is running down. Funk, 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 funk. I mean, he's just ripped muscles on muscles. I'm like, we're just and we spent about two hours you know kind of poking at, at john hunter and how you know his awesome physique that we are super jealous of but how many know that hanging out at the river is delightful we probably have memories of of hanging out at these times and and you know god's river is a river of delight Check this out in Psalm chapter 36, verse 7. It says, how priceless is your unfailing love. It's priceless. God's love is priceless. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. How many of you know that God's house has a lot of abundance? My house has some abundance. We have a, a full pantry. We have, you know, uh, you know, nice things in our house. We have we have more than we need, right? We have an abundance. But how many know that God's abundance is so much bigger than our abundance? And it says this, that we don't feast from the abundance of our house. We actually feast on the abundance of God's house. We feast on what's left over in God's house. And so it says this, that we feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink, check this out, from your river of delights. And so we drink from this river. I like to say it this way. There is a river in heaven called delight. And we are invited to always drink from God's river of delights. And then he says this, for with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. Isn't that good? So check this out. That word delight, when we think of the word delight, we think of being joyful, we think of being content. That word delight in the Hebrew language is the word Eden. Eden like the Garden of Eden. How many know the Garden of Eden was a delightful place? We know that sin entered the scene, and it wasn't delightful anymore. What was delightful became full of darkness, but it was, it was delightful. And how many know that we were created and made for the context of delight? You were created in the context of delight. And, and what do we have in Eden? When we think about Eden and it being delightful, what do we have? Well, first of all, you had provisions and, and contentment, right? Everything, everything that Adam and Eve needed was in Eden, right? Everything they needed was provided for them. They had the presence of God. They had all that they could eat, all these kinds of things. What happened is whenever they started to get outside of what God provided, that's when trouble set in. But they also had contentment at that time that because they were well provided for. And we need to understand that there is contentment when our needs are provided for. Now, when we talk about our needs being met, when we talk about God's provision, I'm not talking about your wants being met, right? I mean, because sometimes this is what I, I've kind of learned. I've kind of learned that, that if I'm good with what God entrusts me, then, then what God trusts me with, then a lot of times more things that I want will be given to me. But sometimes we don't, we don't do well with what God's trusted us with, and then we get frustrated when we don't get all of our wants. Listen, the most important thing, we need to, be, to learn to be content with what we have. It doesn't mean that we, that we don't desire more, but, we, but, but our, our joy and our delight is not, is not moved by our lack of the things that we want because we're all provided for. Come on. So we find provision and contentment. And that doesn't, listen, 
that doesn't mean that you won't have t- hardships and testings and difficulties. God will be a provider for you no matter what. But listen, when you do have those hardships and those difficulties and those struggles, that you can take delight even in the midst of those because you know that God has taken care of you. The second is this. The second thing that they had is they had nothing to hide. So they had contentment based upon their needs being met, uh, their provision. And then they had nothing to hide. There was nothing to hide in the garden. They, it says this, that they were naked and unashamed. They were naked and unashamed. They didn't have anything to hide. How many, well, I won't ask how many of you, but most, most of us, even us married folks that are used to being with the person that we're married to naked, we should have no shame. But most of us that are in a marriage relationship, we still have shame, right? We don't like the position of that mole or that role. And uh, so we're, we're kind of a little bit insecure. But with Adam and Eve, listen, they didn't have anything to hide. It says they were naked and unashamed. Uh, but we live in a world sometimes where we get caught up in this thing called comparison. Come on, we're looking at everybody else and saying, man, my body doesn't look as good as the body that's on the Sports Illustrated body cover, right? Like I've had too many Twinkies, that whole thing. And so we compare ourselves constantly. And now with social media, we, we live in a very much comparison culture as a as a pastor i'm comparing myself with other churches and other preachers and, and sometimes if i'm not careful i won't be me and i'll try to be somebody else because i'm full of envy of what they have and they, we didn't have this in the garden listen beloved you have nothing to hide when you're in god's delight and the third thing that we see that they had is they had an unhindered relationship with god they had an unhindered relationship. God would visit them in the cool of the day. Even after they sinned, God still showed up, right? God would visit them every day. They would spend time with God face to face. But because we, as fallen humanity, walk in, we, because we walk in hindered fellowship with the Lord, we don't always see him for who he really is. See, Adam and Eve were knew God face to face right? Jesus comes and says, I I came to show you. I've came to reveal the Father. Remember? What does God look like? Jesus. What does God sound like? Jesus. What is God's posture? Jesus. Is Jesus mostly angry? No. Is Jesus mostly disappointed? No. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But we walk in hindered relationship with the Lord, with a, with a hindered view. We, we don't see him for who he really is. And so sometimes when we talk about delight, we think, well, God isn't very delighted because I didn't make good choices this week. Right? God is not happy with my behavior. Other words, the river of delight has moved based upon me. How many know that your salvation even, oh, come on, your salvation doesn't even have anything to do with you? The only thing that you did is said yes. Okay. God's delight is in you regardless of your choices. He loves you. He wants you. But what he mostly wants is he wants you to delight in him. That's what he's after. So God is a God of delight. And we, we read this scripture. It says, let's look at it. Look, look what it says about this river. It says, you give them drink from your river of delights. See, it's not our river of delights. It's God's river of delight. It's his river. It was his idea to create this river called delight of joy, of pleasure. A a river of pleasure that you can drink from. 
What river are you drinking from? He put the river there. Uh, Psalm 46, 4 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Did you know you're the city of God? You're the people of God. You're the kingdom of God. You're God's city. You're God's people. And guess what? He wants to make glad his people. How, do we be, how, how, do, how are we made glad? By drinking from his river of delights. See, God is, is happy. We serve a happy God. God is cheerful. God is in a good mood. He's delighted. He is not depressed by the jacked up decisions we've made as a culture. He's not depressed about it because he already sent Jesus. He already provided the solution. This is what it says in in Zephaniah chapter 3. Let me just say this. God enjoys you. My kids make make bad decisions sometimes. One of them in particular. But I delight in my kids. They're one of the great joys of my life. To enjoy them, to tell of their stories, to laugh with them. I actually don't just love my kids because it's my obligation as a dad. I actually like them. You know, have you ever heard anybody, well, we have to love them, but we don't have to like them. Have you ever heard anybody say anything like that? They need a drink from the river called Delight. We don't have to like everybody. We just have to love them. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what world you live in or, or how you function like that. But I know this about God. He doesn't just love you because this is a cosmic obligation. He actually likes you. He actually delights in you. He, he, the things that, that other people make fun of you about, he, he laughs and he looks and goes, I made them that way. The little ticks, the little goofy things about your personality, he's like, I like that. We're just going to, and you're going to, you, you try to change that because you're comparing it to somebody else that's cooler than you. And God's like, no, you just be who I created you to be. You just go ahead and keep that thing that some may call dysfunction because it's not like them. Zephaniah 3.17 says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take great delight in you with gladness. Whoa, he likes me. With his love, he will calm your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Now, that doesn't just mean that God's like, yeah, I really like you. Like, it's not like God's just like kind of like singing this song. That word rejoice, if you'll study it out in the Hebrew language, it actually means to spin violently and sing over. So God's like, yes, I love you. Come on. I'm all into you. Let's do this thing. I love it. I love it when you win. I love it when you overcome. And when you fail, I'm right there to pick you up. This is how God's posture is towards you. God's posture towards you is, yes, I'm so in love with you. Will you drink from this river unhindered in your view of him? See, we are created. It says in Colossians chapter 1, it says that we were created for his enjoyment, for his pleasure. 
You were created for God to enjoy you. You know why you're so dysfunctional? Because you haven't learned to enjoy God back. Because you've looked for enjoyment in other places. That's why you're so miserable. I'm going to be tired. All right. Drink. Listen, we are redeemed out of God's enjoyment. We, we have this idea that God is looking at humanity 2,000 years ago and goes, they really stink at this thing called life. They're, they've just blown it all. I just, I can't stand them. So I guess I'll have to send Jesus. Gee, I really don't want to do this. That, that is not what the scriptures tell us. This is what it says in, in, um, in Ephesians chapter 1. It says that we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ. It says this in verse 5. It says that this is what he wanted to do. Well, God only does what he wants. Nobody's twisting his arm. <laughs> God only, this is what he wanted to do. And then it says this, just that. If that isn't enough, it said, and it gave him great pleasure. This is what he wanted to do. He wanted to send Jesus to die for you, to rescue you. When Jesus died, it brought him great pleasure because he was getting you. Because you were the reward. He did it with a happy heart. It says this in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says it was for the joy that was set before him. He was good with it. It doesn't mean it wasn't painful. It doesn't mean that it wasn't difficult. It doesn't mean that he didn't at times feel like giving up because he did. But because you were the one he wanted. He said, oh, gladly. You know, you go and you buy a house. You go and buy a house. You gladly pay a ton more money than you really want to pay. But you, why? Because you want to live in that house. So you'll pay 30 years on it. You'll probably dump close to a million dollars on that house. It's not even worth that because of interest, but you'll gladly do it. Why? Because you get the reward of living there. We were created for his enjoyment. We are created out of his enjoyment. We are redeemed for his enjoyment. And he, listen, he wants our heart delighted. Because he is a cheerful, happy God, he wants a cheerful, happy, delighted people. And somehow religion snuck in and said, you're more spiritual if you're miserable when you do it. That is a lie from the devil. We're not talking about suffering. We're talking about the posture of your heart. See, many believe that God is more focused on duty over delight. But I believe this, that God is more focused on delight over duty. Because delight always does. Duty only does. And so we have a lot of workers in the kingdom of God but not a lot of lovers. But if we become lovers, lover always, lovers always work outwork laborers. 
Amos uh, chapter 5, there's this passage, and God is, is speaking to his people, and he's like, I'm so fed up with your festivals. I'm so fed up with your obedience. I'm so fed up with your, fed up with your sacrifices and your songs and all that. He's like, I'm sick of you singing all that and doing all that stuff. Why? Why would God say that? A delightful God, why would he say that? Because they were doing all the duties, but they weren't delighting when they did them. They didn't have a heart that was posture right. Listen, purity of heart, purity of heart comes from delighting in God, not doing things for God. If you will delight in God, you'll do things for God. And you'll find great joy out of doing things for God. Delight takes the pain out of discipline. Delight takes the pain out of discipline. You know, I, I, I go to this place four or five days a week. On a good week, four days, this place called the gym. It's the hardest, it's the hardest non-decision I have to make. It's a decision. I can tell you tomorrow morning, because I've been doing this for a couple of years, tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go, I don't really want to go to the gym today. Maybe I'll skip the gym. I'll start looking for a way out. Right? Because going to the gym isn't delightful. However, when I'm there, I kind of enjoy it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We know the motivation is overrated. Come on, so, sometimes you just have to lead your heart there. Sometimes you just have to say, Josh Brown, you're going to the gym, sucker. Because I know you want to have those extra 400 calories on your plate today. So you better go to the gym or those are going to pack around there. Right? So I... Uh, jump on my bicycle most days and I ride to the gym and it's delightful once I'm there this is the thing the enemy will always undermine and try to rob you of your joy I, I've noticed with Christians it's the first thing that goes people start following Jesus and the devil comes and steals their joy now, get this. The devil can only steal what you hand him. He has no authority. The only authority the devil, listen, beloved, the only authority that the devil has in your life is the authority that you lend him. It's the only authority he has. Jesus got the keys and he gave them to you, beloved. But listen, if the devil will steal your joy, he will steal your strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the devil knows if he can get your joy, he can get your strength. And if he can get your strength, he can get you. And God says this. He says, I will be the strength of my people. So in God, there is great joy. There is great strength because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says this, for the kingdom of God. It's not a matter of meat and drink. They were all frustrated. They're like, oh, should we eat food sacrifice? Oh, should we eat this? Should we eat that? Should we eat clean? Oh, clean. So listen, Paul says, the kingdom of God is not about what you eat and what you drink, but it's about these three things. Righteousness, righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Come on. How many know that you are as righteous as God is if you place your faith in Jesus? That's some heavy righteousness. You can have peace, peace with God, sustaining peace, which we'll talk a little bit more about next week, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
with two-thirds of the kingdom is joy. Not two-thirds, one-third, one-third, one-third. I did math today. I, correctly, I did it correct, corrected myself correctly with math. All right, joy in the Holy Spirit. See, a couple things happen when delight is right. When delight is right, first of all, performance is pleasurable. Now doing the thing that you don't really like to do, performing is pleasurable. You actually enjoy performance. You actually enjoy doing well. You actually enjoy going to the gym when delight is right. If I could just fall in love with the gym, then I would enjoy going to the gym. See, at the end of the day, eventually, eventually you do what you delight in. Eventually you do what you want. All of us. Eventually we do what we want to do. What do you want to do? This is why it's so important for you to get a hold of those desires and get them yielded to the Lord. Yeah, the discipline might keep you from doing the things that you want to do, but eventually the, the, the discipline will bow its knee to the desire. So you got to take those immediate desires and you got to bow them to the need of discipline so that discipline can develop some habits in you, some healthy habits in you. Oh, this is just practical. Grind those things down to where it's not even a desire anymore. Listen, desires don't just go away. You got to yield them to the Holy Spirit. So eventually, this is what people say, I do a lot of things I don't want to do. I've got a job I hate, not for my family. Got to go to work, got to pay for my, well, you like that house, don't you? Eventually you do what you desire. And eventually you'll get your way out of that job. But the reason why you're working is because there's something built into that that is getting you what you want. Well, I just, I, I don't do it because I, I don't like reading my Bible, but I do it because I want to be, because God expects me to do it. Man, drink from this river, baby. Come on. God wants it. Huh? And then we, then we, you know what happens to people like that? They start doing it to everybody else. They start projecting how they feel that God is on everybody else. And then the church gets a bad name for being judgmental because one person is not drinking from the right river. It's frustrating. I know. We've all experienced it. See, eventually you do what you delight in. The fact is that person really wants to please God. They just have a bad idea of how God's posture is. So when, we, when our delight is right, our performance is pleasurable and prayers are perfected. This is verse that we've all seen at Hobby Lobby. Psalms 37.4, right? Bumper stickers. It's okay. I'm glad those verses are there. Bless the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that a great promise verse? It is. It really is. You should put that somewhere in your house on a plaque or something that you bought from Hobby Lobby. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Most people read that and go, well, I won't. They start getting materialistic. That's the desire of my heart. It's probably not the desire of your heart. It's probably the desire of your flesh. Let's just get real on it. But the key to this isn't, it isn't just, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. We forget that first part that says delight in the Lord. I encourage you to read the verse like this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you desire. He will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll put in your heart what you should desire. I've found this to be true. Because there's a lot of things that I thought were in my heart 
I didn't get. Why? Because I was asking with impure motives. James talks about that. James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, you don't get your prayers answered because when you ask, you ask with impure motives. See, if you had your delight right, you'd be asking for the right thing. But you're just asking for a bunch of stuff. You're being materialistic. Or your prayers are prayers of manipulation, not the heart of Christ when you pray. And you wonder why your prayers don't get, it's because you haven't delighted yourself in the Lord. If you delight yourself in the Lord, your prayers will be in alignment with what God wants you to pray, but the things that he wants to give you. He wants to answer your prayers. He just wants you to ask him for the right things. Nope. See, when our delight is right, performance is pleasurable, and prayers are perfected. So how do we get there? How do we acquire delight? You, how many know you have to work for it? I mean, there's something you have to do. It's not really work, but it is acquired. Delight is acquired. This is the deal. We like what we know, but we don't always know what we like. Right? I didn't know I liked free birds. You know, I didn't know I liked Waterburger until I had it. Now, thank God I've indoctrinated my children. Now, they delight in Waterburger. So it kind of doubles my time there. Desire my heart. Probably not. So some of you don't even know how much you love the presence of Jesus just because you've never taken the time to get acquainted with him. When people start talking about sin issues or distance issues with God, the solution is always the same. Beloved, our desire for God is something that grows by being with God. You don't wake up one day and think, I love God. I love you so much, God. You may say that, but has he ravished your heart? Has he wrecked your affections? You don't wake up like that. How does it happen? You, you grow in love with God. We, that other thing we call infatuation, right? People say, I, I married that person because I love them. Right? Then you get married to them, and you're like, oh, this is what love looks like. Then you learn what love is. Love isn't about a feeling that you get or something you receive from a person. It's actually something that you give to a person. You well, that'll preach today, too. It'll all preach. We just got to figure out what parts we're going to do. All right. I want you to say this. I'm getting my joy back. I'm getting my joy back. I believe today's the day for you to get your joy back. See, we impose on others. Listen, we impose on others because we don't have delight ourselves. Because we're so miserable doing the thing that we're doing. Well, everybody else should be miserable too. So do what I'm doing. <laughs> no, thank you. Remember Jesus with the religious? He was like, do what they do. Go ahead and do what they do. But don't act like they act. How do we get our joy back? How do we acquire delight? Because it doesn't just happen. Number one, you look at him. You look at him. 
You look at Jesus. You look at Jesus for who he really is. We discover this in his word. I was thinking about this between services. I've been growing in love for Jesus for 26 years. I've never got tired of him. I mean, if you look at the pages in Scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you look at the Gospels, it's not a whole lot of text. I never get tired of reading about Jesus. I never get tired of looking at him. I never get tired of my wife. I never get tired of looking at her. Her radiant, glorious beauty. I never get tired of looking at her. I don't get tired. I don't get tired of her. Look at him. Uh, Psalm 34, 8. I want to help you guys with this scripture. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. We've heard this, right? Taste and see. We have songs. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So what we've taken that is we, 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 we've read that verse and we go, just taste and see. Just taste it. Just try Jesus and you'll see that he's good. I don't know about you, but for two years, from 91 to 93, I know it's before some of y'all were alive, I tasted Jesus. I would go to church. I would have experiences. I would lift my hands in worship. People would pray for me. Tasted. There was no refuge part. There was no blessed are those that take refuge in him. I was tasting and seeing. Not from the scriptural sense, but from what was projected. Just try Jesus. Just try Jesus. He'll fall in love with Jesus and I'll be over. That ain't the way it works, pal. The word taste and see, I said pal. The word taste and see, that word see. That word see doesn't mean how we would use it in the figurative sense. Just taste, you'll see. No, no, no. It means taste and drink deep. It means taste and behold. Taste and gaze. In other words, taste and look at it. Taste the goodness of God and gaze at the goodness of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, taste and look at. Taste and look up. Not taste and, oh yeah, that's pretty good. You're missing the scripture. It doesn't mean take a nibble. It means drink deep. We look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives us the parable that, that answers all of the parables. He gives us the parable of the sower and the seed. And one of those seeds is a seed that fell on stony ground. This is what it says about it. It says it sprung up with great joy. But when the trials came, it dried up because it had no root. What did it do? It tasted and seen. But it didn't take refuge. It didn't take root. It didn't behold the Lord. And so it didn't produce. Look at him, beloved. Look at him. Taste and see. Just keep on looking. See, we become what we behold. So people that are mean-spirited about God, it's because they think God is mean. They really do. They'll say, no, God isn't mean. God is so good. We know God is good. God loves us. God, but I'll tell you what, he's going to get you. <laughs> he's like the monster under the bed. He's going to smite you for your bad behavior. You better not go to church. That's what the devil does. You better not go to church because he's mad. God's pretty mad at you because you looked at pornography this week. God's pretty mad at you because you gossiped this week. And so we impose that mean spirit on other people. Beloved, we are gazing at the good one. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We are gazing at the good one. He's really good. He is a really good 
good God. He is a, a God full of lavish desire and love and passion for you. He is, his affections are wrapped up in you. When you wake up, he's there gazing, delighted in you. He wants you. He likes you. We are gazing at the good one. We, we find delight and rest when we realize that God loved us so much that he sent his only son. That he gave us Jesus, that's how much. I just want to know that God loves me. He already showed you. This is what it says, Isaiah 60, verse 5. It says, you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. sounds like being excited. What do you got to do? What do you got to do for your heart to be fully alive and fully engaged in this Jesus thing? Look. Look. Look at him. Look at who he is. Show your heart what it wants. And look at him. The second thing you need to do is look to him. So you're not just looking at him. You're also looking to him when trials come, when tribulations come, when discouragement comes, and it will come, when persecution comes, and it will come, America. It will, and it's sneaking in right now. Just get ready. Persecution is very real on the earth. There's been more martyrs in the past hundred years than there's ever been in the history of martyrs. You just get to sit behind your little computer screen while it's happening. But when it comes, persecution, when it comes tension, when it comes trials and hardships and difficulties, look to him. Don't look at your difficulties. Don't look, you, you will study, if you study the martyrs, the early martyrs, martyrs of the early church, you'll see that when, when they were being persecuted, when they were dying, that many times they were laughing hysterically in the midst of their death. Why? Because their delight was in Jesus. And so to die the way that Jesus died for him was a reward. Oh, that God would ravish our hearts in such a way. But look to him. Look to him and your heart will be transformed. The joys that we have in our life, I love them. I love the little little things. The other day I had, on Friday, I, I woke up and I was like, yeah, it's Friday. Friday's my day off. And I was like, I'm so excited about today. And, you know, I was playing some games on my iPad, you know. It's like a total, like, you know, dude. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm excited. Family day. And then, like, through the day, kind of got sad, got frustrated, got discouraged, got happy, got sad, got frustrated. Anybody else have those waves of emotion one day? It's not like a week of it. It's like months. It's like all in one day. And when I went to bed, I told us, I'm exhausted. I'm just so tired. I was like, I just feel like my emotions have just been all over the place today. Listen, this is the thing. Emotions fade. The good ones and the bad ones. But our delight 
our drive, the desire of our heart should be fixed to him, on him. Psalm 34, verse 5, those who look to him for help will radiate with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Those who look to him will radiate with joy. That word radiate, if you study it out, is, it, it's the same word that we get as water reflecting, uh, the sun reflecting off water. Look to him. Listen, posture your heart. When you're going through those difficulties, when it's hard, just posture your heart. Just point your heart to Jesus. Lord, this is so difficult. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at the frustrations. Don't look at the tensions. Just look to him. Just be like, Lord, I'm just looking at you right now. I'm not, I'm not thinking about what I'm annoyed by. I'm not thinking about what I'm frustrated about. I'm not thinking about where I'm hurting. I'm not thinking about how that person betrayed me. I'm just thinking about Jesus. And you know what will happen? It will transform the way your heart functions. Psalm 16, verse 11, you've made known to me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence. You will fill me with joy in your presence and eternal pleasures at your right hand. One translation says it this way. You're probably more familiar with it. In your presence is fullness of joy. So if there is not fullness, fullness, God's fullness, complete fullness, if there is not fullness, in my situation, invite him in. Welcome him in. I just don't have any joy. I'm just so discouraged. The bank account's low. My boyfriend just broke up with me. My parents are mad at me. My kids are acting like the devil. Invite him in. Welcome him in. Welcome him in because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And when there's fullness of joy, there's no room for depression. There's no room for discouragement. There's no, no room for darkness. It's fullness. Complete fullness of joy. No sorrow. No pain. No disappointment. Fullness of joy. Invite him in. So don't just look at him. Look to him. And number three, remain in him. Stay in him. Stay in his presence. This is the problem. We have this river called delight. And when we're discouraged, we drink. Oh man, I just, I just need to have some prayer, Lord. Here I am. Lord, would you help my little heart, my tender heart? Yes, yes I will. We're like, oh yeah, I feel like I got some breakthrough. Bye river. Oh, it's getting hard. Oh, Lord. Oh, there you are, Lord. I'm, look, I'm looking to you doing what Pastor Josh said. The problem is you keep getting out. Beloved, jump in the river. Live in the river of his presence. Live in the river of his spirit. Live there. It's always right there. And you're just, you're swallowed up in the delight of God. Be, how, 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 do, how do I remain? How do I stay in his presence? Through awareness. Bill Johnson uh, shares this illustration. Y'all laughing at my stuttering. Bill Johnson has this awesome illustration. He said, one of the ways that I, I talk about like walking in the spirit, it's like there's a dove resting on your shoulder. You say, how would you, how would you live if there was a dove on your shoulder? Someone's be like, well, I'd be really, really timid and really scared that I would freak it out and it would fly away. But what he says this is the way that you would live is aware. You would live aware that it's there. 
Listen, how do we how do we remain in him? We be aware that he is there. We stay aware that he is there. How do you remain in his presence? Through awareness. God, you're here. You are here moving in this place. We're not just singing it at church. We're singing it at work when we're having conflict with our boss. You are here moving in this place. Not because I'm in church, but because the Holy Spirit is inside of me. Be aware that he is there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, you love him passionately. Although you did not see him, but through believing in him, by trusting in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribable, sublime, and immersed in glory. Indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. Other translation says joy unspeakable and full of glory. So much joy that you can't explain it. This is what the Lord promises for you if you will trust him. If you will jump fully in just like John Hunter did that day when he jumped in. Just jumped in. No more shame. Just going in. Be fully invested. Listen, Jesus doesn't want to be on your priority list. He wants to be the point of your life. We've talked about that. Earlier this year, Jesus does not want to make the list of your priorities. He wants to be central. Will your life revolve around this man who is full of glorious joy? One more scripture, we're done. Well, more scripture, but during ministry time. John chapter 15. But if you remain in me, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you can... Ask for anything you want. Remember, our prayers come into alignment. And it'll be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. How many know that one of the fruits or fruit of the Spirit is joy? This brings great glory to my Father. Did you know that it brings great glory to the Father when your prayers are producing and the joy is being manifest in your life. When peace is being manifest, that glorifies the Lord. How do I glorify the Lord? By bearing fruit. I have loved you. Man, there's so much. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. As the Father loves Jesus. Jesus prays this later. He said, Lord, I pray that they would see and understand that you love them as much as you love me. That's some serious kind of love right there. Remain. Stay. Abide. The Greek word meno. Remain. Live there in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's command and remain in His love. I have told you these things. That you will be filled with my joy. That you would be filled with the joy of Jesus. Yes, your joy would overflow. It wouldn't be a sustaining joy. It would be a joy that pours out of your life 
that gets on your neighbors, that gets on your coworkers, that gets on your enemies, that gets on your kids, that gets on your wife. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. He has unspeakable joy for you. And it's his joy. It's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. It's his joy. He's the joy of our life. He's the delight of our life. He's the one. He's the point to it all. It's Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It's really always been about Jesus, even before the foundation of the world. It was about Jesus. It's, it's still about Jesus. It's just really all about Jesus. And if you want to have a delighted heart, you're just going to have to get all about Jesus. And you could, you could spend the rest of your life dealing with the fruit of not doing that, or you can get to the root and learn from him. Take, learn from me. I'm gentle. Learn from me. I got joy to give you. Abide in me that your joy would overflow. And stop dealing with the products of not doing that. Just jump in the river. Just jump in. Let's live in the river of delight.